This is The Guardian. I'm Grace Dent and this is Comfort Eating from The Guardian. A podcast where we pay homage to the lesser celebrated foods in life. Because even as a restaurant critic, I believe the food that matters most is often that snack you cobble together when you're curled up on the sofa. Each week, I ask my guest to lift the lid on what comfort foods have seen them through their lives. Because you can tell a lot about a person from what they eat behind closed doors. Hello, friends. You find me yet again in my kitchen, gearing up for a new episode, having a little snack beforehand. Now, when no one's looking, don't tell anyone. I eat gherkins straight out of the jar. They can't do you for it. Hang on. Mmm. Mmm. And Mrs. Ellswood's sweet and sour gherkins. Mm. Sometimes I wrap them in um, that plastic square cheese. Quite sexy. Now, today, I'm not going to put too fine a point on this. I am welcoming cooking royalty into my house. Nadia Hussain, MBE, is coming around for a snack and a chat. I can hardly believe I'm saying that. She's a TV chef. She's a presenter, she's a writer, she's a regular on The One Show, and she has written a bunch of the most gorgeous recipe books, including her latest one, Nadia's Simple Spices. Nadia's journey in the limelight began in the Bake Off tent in 2015, where we all, let's be honest, we just fell a bit in love with her, didn't we? As we watched her confidence grow week on week. Out of all those Bake Off star bakers, It is Nadia's star that has shined the brightest and the longest. I can't believe she's come in here. And I can't wait to discover what this woman, who is the byword for cosy cooking and culinary perfectionism, is actually wolfing down at home on the sofa after another busy day at the helm of Nadia Hussain Inc. When the kids are in bed and no one's looking. I cannot wait to find out. Very, very sharp, this one's really Very sharp. I'll only eat four or five. Probably have to clean my teeth. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Nadia Hussain. Welcome to Comfort Eating. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hear that you are a fan of the Milton Keynes roundabout system. Love it. <laughs> I've been in Milton Keynes, what, eight years now? Mm. And I love, I love order. 
I love systems. I love when something works. And in Milton Keynes, you are very rarely sat in traffic. You do not sit in traffic because we don't have traffic lights. You just keep moving, sometimes slowly, sometimes faster, but you keep moving. That's like a metaphor for life. Wow. Right? Like just <laughs> See, I've failed my driving test seven times. You haven't? I have. And I can't do roundabouts as I'm getting towards them. You see, you say there's a system. I just tend to be in all three or four of those lanes. Right. right. You just, <laughs> just can't decide. Just going, but I don't like to commit. Okay. <laughs> Which is a metaphor for life as well. I have a follow-up question. Can I just ask, when you're driving your car over these roundabouts, mm. what is your favorite circular snack that you would have in the glove compartment? That is circular. But it has to be circular. It has to be minstrels. I like a minstrel. I love a minstrel. I think they divide people. I love like sucking it till the inside is soft and then it just kind of breaks under the pressure of the of your tongue and the roof of your mouth. You know, I love that squish. What if when you're doing the actual, the inhaling, sucking, but it could go down the wrong way and you'd be in the car by yourself. That's a health and safety hazard. That is. I should maybe rethink my circular snacks. And that's the end of the podcast. That's it. We're done. <laughs> Solved everything in the world. <laughs> Every week, my guest shares with me their ultimate comfort snack. It's a dish that doles out warmth and love when the world feels like a grey, soggy sponge, which you've never baked, ever. Ever? <laughs> I have. Nadia Hussain, what have you brought for me today? I don't know what's under this. Uh, yeah, Shall I open un- it? Shall unveil I- your I snack, it? please. Shall I unveil it? This is like my... There's a lot of certainty about this. You're very certain as you're... Some people crumble at this point and no. start making excuses. Mm-mm-mm. Very confident. Mm-mm-mm. I like this. Go on. Okay. <gasps> oh. Okay. So... Hang on. Okay. Yeah. So, mashed potatoes, like oh, smash. Yes. yes. Thank you. Right. Thank <laughs> made you. with butter, cream and mayonnaise. So like lovely and rich. And then you put a can of cream of tomato soup on top. I'm not joking. And then you put grated cheese on top and grill that. I'm salivating. Yeah. Uh, I, I did, I, honestly, at the moment, I hardly even heard the last few sentences. <laughs> so I'm just like... Get in. Get involved. Like mashed potato with, with, a, with a, a topping of Heinz tomato. Heinz cream of tomato soup. That's all you need. It's spicy. Chili flakes on top. Oh my God. Always with the chili flakes on top. It's just magical. Why don't they serve this in restaurant? I'm speechless. That's like proper comfort. This is the most delicious comfort food <laughs> that I think that anyone's ever brought. How much of that could you eat? Oh, on a, on a really good day? Yeah. Like the lot. I, could, I mean, my husband doesn't even get a look in. He does not even get a look in. I I will just happily sit through that. You should not associate guilt and food. I don't care about the two for me do not go together. Food should be comfort and food should be warming and food should be nostalgic. And and it can be something out of a packet. It could be something that you make. It could be anything. And for me, that is like ultimate comfort. And I I have zero shame in the fact that it came out of a packet and out of a can. What I love is there's just a big pool of butter there. That is the happiest sight in the world when there's too much butter in the dish and it's gone into it's like a rock pool seeped a rock pool of butter oh my goodness we could live our best lives let's move away and find a rock pool of butter and just live our best lives you and me all we need is some crusty bread just to just to mop that little corner up 
Nadia, you burst onto our screens eight years ago. Season six of Bake Off. You won the trophy and the nation's heart. Mm-hmm. To the 15 million viewers of the Bake Off final, we saw this picture of you and your young family, three little kids, all under 10 yeah. at that time. But they're now teenagers. So yeah. this is a very different chapter of your life and your parenting. What is the house like these days? Lots of size 10 trainers and... Size 13. Oh, God. I know. There's not even a shoe rack that you can fit them on. Honestly, they're like boats. I'm like, every time, honestly, I'm like, who has left his boats here? And we know who, who it is. Um, but yeah, we've got big shoes, big clothes, big, big, big attitudes mm. and, and big personalities. It's very different to eight years ago. Um, but we go with, we go with it. You know, like yeah. it's, it's a whole other beast raising teenagers. The only thing that's really helped me to kind of move and grow with the children is to remind myself that they are human beings and they are people mm. more than anything. They're not just my children and they're not just children that I birthed. They are humans. And and by looking at them like humans makes me want to hate them less is all I'm saying. <laughs> Everything you're saying, so calm and, and so zen. And you're saying it with, the, with your beautiful face, your lovely eyes. <laughs> In secret, do you have a good shout at them though? Oh God, oh goodness, yeah. Okay, I'm not painting any, I don't want to paint an image that we don't have shouting <laughs> matches in our house. We say things to each other that we're, we we shouldn't say to each other. Like just a couple of weeks ago, my son said to me, I hate you. And I said, you're an exhibitionist. And we both just walked out. That was it. That was our conversation. You're an exhibitionist. I hate you. Fantastic. We didn't see each other for the rest of the evening. And by the end of it, we were laughing and smiling. But that is... That is what it's like having teenagers is you can go from tsunami to still waters all within half an hour. My husband and I have kind of come up with a trick of, so we debrief, you know, we debrief. Oh, we debrief. Otherwise, yeah, my bloke is into the debrief. I love a debrief. So you do this as a family? You no, debrief. just just my husband and I, we debrief. We start off with our scores out of 10 for that day. I know it's really sad. We do, we've done this forever. So on an evening, um, I'll text him and I say, it's debrief time. And then he'll come upstairs. And I'm like, so what do you give yourself? What are you giving yourself today out of 10? And he will give himself a nine. And I'm like, actually, I think you're more of a six today because you did shout a little bit. And he's like, no. And then we'll come to a compromise as to where we think he was. We'll do the same for me. And then we'll break it down and we do it in 20 minutes. It's like locker room chat, you know, like we get in, we have a strategy, we debrief and then we're like, right, let's get back out there. And it's like, it's like going to war. What's the lowest score you've ever given each other? Zero. We've been to zero. We've been to zero. We have. We, we have been to zero. There's been points where I wouldn't shout. want to get zero off you. That would be really heartbreaking. I would Because be, you tend to see the good, I can see. I do try my best to see the good in things, but I he's given me zeros. I've given him zeros. I'm like, if the neighbours can hear us shouting, it's a zero. Okay, so you are a professional chef. So does that mean that it's always you on for cooking at home? It's definitely changing now that the kids are a bit older. Mm. My husband can't cook to save his life. Mm. Awful. He tried, I think we've been married 18 years and um, he's cooked, I'm going to say three times. What did he cook? He did a sticky... Uh, lime chicken once. I don't know where he got the recipe from, but it was, um, let's just say it was stuck. 
Yes. It was stuck. He was like, we can eat this out of the roasting dish. Of course we can. It was nonstick. I don't know what happened to the nonstick. It was that sticky. Um, do you think, though, that men purposefully do the thing badly so that we lose patience and then just do it again for the ne- next seven years? There could be an element of that when it mm. comes to cooking. Yeah. Because my husband always says, well, I can't, I can't compete with you. And I'll say, I'm not asking for competition. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, I could, because we know who would win in a competition. I was like, it would be me, my friend. But he, 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 he's, but when it comes to everything else, he's amazing. Like he'll do laundry, he'll hoover, yeah. he'll mop the floors. Like he knows the kids' schedules. So he's great with everything else. So I don't, care if he doesn't cook i sometimes think in all relationships there is one person that can open a fridge and see four ingredients and think okay that's what i'm gonna do it might just be the same dish dishes again and again but they can go right i can make that into a pasta sauce i could serve that with rice and then there's the other person in the relationship that just unless there is the meal sitting there They'll just go and sit back down on the sofa. Yes, well, that's that. We haven't got any food. My husband is um, very much the kind of I don't. We don't have anything to eat, mm. um, and because I cook for a living, often I've got things in the house that I've tested or need setting or in the yes. fridge or need for the next day. Somehow he manages to always eat that, and I don't. I'm like you because we. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how it happens, but I have sticky notes. So anything with a sticky note is not to be eaten, See, not to be touched. Even the thought of that sticky note, you would know that some underneath that is something really delicious. Yeah, he'll That's eat just it. like red rag to a bull, isn't <laughs> yes. it? Do not eat this because I've made it specially for something professional. If you ever hear that I've been arrested for some kind of assault, it is because <laughs> my partner has sent me a text while I'm at MasterChef working yeah. and asked me what we're having for dinner. It, it really? Yeah. And I'm like... And what is your response to that? I, I haven't got a response I can say into the microphone. <laughs> I'm literally on set working, testing food, <laughs> and he is clearly opening the fridge and seeing some spinach, some eggs, some onions, some veg... And thinking, I'm like, omelette, frittata, <laughs> frittata, anything. Okay, thank you. I feel lighter now. So let's go back to 1984 then. You were born on Christmas Day in Luton. Band-Aid is at number one. Do they know it's Christmas? That song is, for a lot of people, one of their earliest memories. What's your earliest memory? Oh, my dad ran Indian restaurants and he always kept the restaurant open on Christmas Day and dad had the Christmas menu and he said it's the best night because everyone will pay through the nose for a Christmas dinner. He sounds yeah. amazing. He is, he is. He, yeah. is um, <laughs> he would make the most amazing Christmas dinner. So his turkey i remember he used to cover it in turmeric and garlic and ginger under the skin mm. and he would make bombay potatoes with carrots and tamarind lots of onions but on an evening making turkey actually edible yeah, yeah. it's oh, like my dad cooks the best turkey for sure 100 percent cooks makes the best turkey but you're making paxo sound very like boring mm. now you know like that chip that yeah. sage and onion stuffing i and have stuff seen that, that like, stuff. <laughs> like, see, i quite like paxo myself because it's my birthday on christmas day 
my dad would come home and he would wake us up in the middle of the night and say, come on, I've got turkey for you. And we'd sit there and we'd eat this cold turkey. And it was, it just became a tradition to just yes. sit there in the middle of the night on Boxing Day early in the morning and just have turkey and, and, and cold Bombay potatoes. And that's Downstairs, the, around the table. Downstairs, on the floor, we'd put... We, in your pyjamas. In your pyjamas, just sat there like a bit disheveled, half awake. <laughs> hair, <laughs> hair pillow creases. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, dishevelled, half awake, half naked, sat there <laughs> eating this turkey. And then my mum would say, why do you do this every single year? I don't want them to break their sleep. I want them to have a full night's sleep. And dad would just like ignore my mum as he does. And then we just sit there and eat it. And, and then we'd just go up to bed and mum would say, brush your teeth. And we'd never brush our teeth and we'd just go straight to bed. They were some of the happiest moments. You grew up as a first-generation British Bangladeshi in Luton. You're one of six kids. And I've heard you talk about how the roles in your community are very traditional. The women staying at home, doing the cooking, raising the kids, and the men went out to work. Tell me about your own parents, your mum, Asma, and your dad, Jamir Ali. Yeah, he's... um. My dad's like, he's, he, he spent his whole life being called Jay because he felt mm. like that's the British version of him. Jay. So he's like an alter ego is Jay. Jay. Like everyone calls him Jay. You know, I grew up in a very um, conservative mm. family. You know, we were very, my family, they're very traditional. Not religious, very, very traditional in terms of how we ate, in our etiquette, in the way we behaved, in the way we were raised. So... I wasn't allowed to call my dad dad mm. up until I got much older. He's like, because we, we call him Baba, which is which is a, another word for dad. And we weren't allowed to call mum mum. We had to call her Amma. We had to speak Bengali in the house. We were not allowed to speak um, English in the house. And if we did, we got told off, you know, like really, really told off. My dad mm. was never happy. So it's like, no, only Bengali, which is, I really appreciate that now. I can speak it fluently and really well and I can mm. communicate with my elders. So I think it was a, it's a wonderful thing that they did. You know, my parents, they, as immigrants, they, they worked really hard to maintain as much of their Bangladeshi culture within a British setting. You are a celebrity baker. So did your mum bake? No, my mum. No, 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 no. I'm, so that, okay. Mm-mm, so we, no. Or, so you, you didn't grow up at your mother's knee as she was doing the things? No, no, totally different to the, complete opposite to the kind of, I suppose, the ideal English home that you might see on television or in the storybooks. You know, my, my parents didn't read a book to me at night. They said, brush your teeth, don't brush your teeth, get to bed. I don't care. You know, like six kids, extended family, grandparents. It was hard. It was really hard. So like, I'm not surprised. But my mum didn't bake. No, the oven was used for storage. So my mum, my mum, my, I said, I asked my mum, why do you have an oven? And she said, because it comes with the hob. Because <laughs> you know, it's like a stand, you know, the standalones. It's perfect logic. <laughs> you can't argue with that. Hang on. She used it storage. So you open the oven. What's inside the oven usually? Um, just frying pans. So anything that can fit in that width. So like in that height, whatever can fit. And it was always my mum's pans for the pans that she used to make paratas in. Mm. 
the pans that she used to make all of her like sweet fritters in and the pan that she deep fried in. She never ever turned her oven on to the point where the knob had got sticky and and, 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 and I had to like scrape the grease off the knob and say, this is, this is it. So she never used it, still doesn't. We went to Cholney High School, all girls comp in Luton. Mm-hmm. Secondary school is just a really intense time in uh, all of our lives, I firmly believe. Did you enjoy it? For anyone who's never been to an all-girls school, that is a wholly different experience because girls can be mean. Like boys... Really, really can. Yeah. I was not popular. I was definitely the teacher's pet. Like I was the kind of kid that didn't revise but got all A's. You know, I was senior prefect. I was on the school council. I was a teaching assistant. I was like, I was a reading assistant. I did all of that. Like I did everything. I just. What did they say about that? I, when you're when you're a part of, I just became a part of a group of girls who did those things. And so I was quite comfortable um, in that space because we were all just very, we're just high, we were all just high achievers. Yeah. And um, I'm sure they looked at us the way we looked at them. Yeah. Do you know, like we looked yeah. at them. I mean, I was a teenager too. I wasn't always level-headed or rounded. You know, like as a teenager, I looked at them and thought I was better than they were. And they thought they were better than me. There was one teacher who was particularly yeah. important to you. Tell me about Mrs. Marshall. The best human ever, ever, ever to ever grace this earth. And I've met her a few times since and she's absolutely amazing. She still lives in Luton uh, and she was my home ec teacher. So she's my food studies teacher. I remember being in food studies and she said, you are really good at this. And I didn't think anything of it. And when I, when, when I'd done it as a GCSE, she was like, you're going to ace this. And I did, I got top grades for it the only time I was able to practice was at school I would make up recipes and I'd ask Mrs Marshall Miss Marshall if I bring in my ingredients on my lunch break can I please practice this recipe like what cakes so like because for my GCSEs I had to make um a cake that was tailored to a five-year-old so I did a cake that was like a red marble cake I remember with fondant and a Pokemon ball on top and it was like that and I had to do the packaging and all of that but I couldn't practice making the cake so I said please miss can I practice and she said okay but as long as you don't disturb my lunch and I said absolutely you can make and she goes you have to do all the washing and I said no problem and as a deal with her I said that I'd do all the washing and drying and so the class previous to her left it all and I did it all for her and I cleaned up and we'd have these lovely conversations and and she'd give me little tips and what's the Pokemon cake look like is it good I've still got my I have still got my coursework from when I was uh in high school it was just shove it out as a book (laughs) (laughs) I'd need another 99 recipes Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've said that you were a good student, straight A kind of pupil, and you did well. In fact, you were the first person in your family to get a place at uni. Can you remember that moment when you received the letter? I, um, yeah, first girl to get into university, also first person 
to ever get a place at university. And I just thought it was a given. I thought my friends are going to university. It won't be. I didn't even think that it would ever be a problem. Um, Because a lot of my friends come from immigrant Mm -hmm. homes. So they they are also first generation. Problem with your family. Brits, yeah. So I then kind of said to my parents, I've... I've, I, these are the universities and I've got places and I was re- I was going to go and study psychology in the hope to become a social worker mm-hmm. um and so I said to my parents look I've got it all set like you know I've got the loan I've got you know I've got I've got the bank account. I've like everything sorted I knew where I was going to live all done uh and my mom said nope absolutely you are not going to university and uh that was like a massive blow at 18 because at that point I, I knew the direction in which my life was going mm-hmm. and it was education and mm-hmm. I knew where I wanted to be at the end of that education. And my mum just said, nope, not going to happen. You are not going to university. What's her biggest fear? I think they tried, they've worked so hard to keep us closeted and 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 in this box where we followed all the traditions of Bangladeshi culture. Mm-hmm. And I think her fear was that I would become westernized and I would be living away from home. Mm-hmm. Girls didn't live away from home if they were not married. If you were married, you lived away from home, but not while you were single. Did you just take it the moment she said no? Or did you think about just packing and going? I was crushed. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't explain it any other way apart from, in, like, I, internally, mm-hmm. I felt like she'd crushed me from the inside yeah. and I couldn't show it on my face. And I, and, and, and in that moment, I remember being very quiet, but I argued. And in the end, my mom said, um, I'll change the locks on the doors. If you leave, <sighs> I will change the locks on the door. And yeah. I, at 18, when you've got very little money mm-hmm. and when the only 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 security financially that you have is is your family that's a tough one because I was really scared at that point that if I disobeyed them that I would never be able to I'd never be allowed back in my home and that really scared me and I said fine fine I won't go in the end I just decided that I'm just going to get two jobs and never really see them anyway and so I got two jobs I worked at a out of hours doctors at a call center at night and during the day I worked in a office where we hired out executive cars, neither of which I enjoyed, but I did them to stay away. Two years later, 20, you're age 20, mm. you marry Abdel Hussein, yeah. the man who would eventually encourage you to put in the application to Bake Off. Yeah. How did you two meet? I got to 19 and my parents were like, Luke, you, you should really think about getting married. Okay. And um, they, you know, it, it was very much... Did they, did they show you a few people before Abdel or was Abdel the first person? No, he was... was the, there were a few suitors. So I am... Um, because um, I'm dark skin, so in my family, like in our culture, when you've got dark skin, there's a, there's a element of, are you gonna get her married off? Like if oh you've got gosh. if you get dark if you've got dark skin, then there's a there's a worry that nobody will marry you. I said I want to marry somebody from this country. If you can find somebody from this country that matches what I want, I'm happy to marry them if they're right for me. Hang but, on, had you grown up feeling like that though? Had you heard whispers of that when oh, you were? The, we, when don't, you, we don't whisper enough. No whispering. No whispering. No whispering. It's straight. In so here. you're a child, yeah. a teenager, and yeah, people yeah, yeah. saying, "How are we going to get her married off? She's yeah. got dark skin. She's got dark skin." 
um yeah like it's a real thing and i think right okay there are yeah. lots of people who will listen to this and be like i get it i totally yeah. get where she's coming from yeah. but i know there are loads of people who will listen and say that is horrific mm. but it is not a it's not a secret it's not like it's not a big secret in our culture um and even to this day colorism is rife i'm one of six and um we're all different shades of brown my eldest sister is really pale to the point where she goes blue with your eldest sister were they oh find somebody they were lining up they were lining up they were like we'll have no problem marrying her off but my second sister and myself i'm number my sister's number two i'm number three my parents were like oh my goodness like how are we gonna get them married off the only thing my second sister had going for her was that she was also very slim I, i'm not naturally like super super slim they're like oh god she's fat and she's black like that's like double whammy <laughs> so where did where did your husband's appear from so we my husband uh, my dad and my father-in-law were mutual friends my father-in-law said oh I've got this son that I want to get married and my and my husband is number three in his family and I'm number three and my dad kind of stayed really quiet because he can't it's like flogging a dead horse he was like she's dark I can't really like I can't how can I even suggest my daughter my dad's like look I'm just gonna put you straight I do have daughters but they are black so you, then you see the son. Well, we speak, we actually exchange numbers and somehow manage to get each other's numbers through the mutual friend. And then we actually talk to each other. And I realized through his conversations that I said, can I get sort of month in? I said, can I see a picture of you? And he was lovely, really, really like charm. Really, see the photo. I see the photo yes. and he's very tall and very fair. And I thought, this is going to really piss my dad off. <laughs> Because if I marry somebody, this is going to properly vex him. Because if I marry somebody who he thinks I can't marry, he will think, oh my goodness, like how has she done that? So for me, it was like, yes, yes, I'm yes. going to marry him. So you get together, you move to Leeds together, you have three children, and then you apply to Bake Off and you're accepted. Yeah. And you turn up ready to take part, right? Okay. Take us into that tent, day one, day two, around that time. Mary Berry, Paul Hollywood, circling mm. as he's starting to bake a cake. And nothing can quite describe the feeling of being in the tent because at the very beginning, it's very um, busy. So you've got cameraman, story producer, you've got your directors. And week on week, it gets quieter and quieter. You're more and more exposed. And that's quite scary. But the more exposed you become weirdly you become more comfortable and see the cameras less but it's it's scary because the judges don't talk to you so they're not there's no bias there's no relationship so it doesn't they are just still very much the judges where's the best place to cry in the tent so, so people can't see you into your hands but there is no really real, real good place because they there's always a camera on it's you always a camera they will catch every quiver of a lip mm. every teary eye um they well, will they know when you've messed up before you do exactly so they know something's burning yeah and, and they, they're and, just waiting for you to work it out yeah and sometimes you can hear them on their little intercom saying just just go to go to nadia she's 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 yeah, she's panicking go get it you win and you give this incredible speech yes yeah. you, you say and i quote i'm never gonna put boundaries on myself ever again never gonna say i can't do it i'm never gonna say maybe i'm never gonna say i don't think i can i can and i will yeah 
Now, unlike most Bake Off winners, your celebrity chef career has bloomed Mm -hmm. long term. Has anything since then tested that pledge? Has your resolve ever wavered? Absolutely. I would be lying if I said that it hasn't. But life is not meant to be easy. It, it, it's not plain sailing. It never was going to be. Um, and I, I, when I said those words, someone said to me, like, did you really think about it? Did you have a speech written? I was like, absolutely. No way. If you watched me during Bake Off, anyone who watched me would know that I did not think I was going to win. And the thing is, I never expected my career to take off the way it did. So that for me was a pleasant surprise and serendipitous, if anything. But absolutely, you know, I am a daughter of an immigrant. I'm British, Muslim, Bangladeshi, brown woman. You know, I'm a woman of color who um, covers, you know, who has a has a hijab on. So proudly, I'm very pr- I'm a proud Muslim. And I've suddenly stepped into this male dominated mm-hmm. arena uh, full of middle-aged Caucasian men, um, some with egos. Uh, and and so there have been moments where I have felt like I don't fit in. And that's not just my lack of belief in myself, but that's also the industry itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the industry, there are, there are people, there are people around people who will remind you that this isn't your space and that you don't belong here and that, that, that your space is temporary. And so, yeah, it has tested my resolve. It has tested my confidence and it has tested those words that I said at the very end but it's actually those very words that I go back to I can and I will I can and I will mm. um and I tell my children I tell my children that all the time and my affirmation has changed quite a lot since then and I tell my children now like especially over the last eight years there's so many moments where I was like do I belong here do I get to call myself a chef am I just a cook mm. and like I I question every time a book is released I'm like oh my goodness nobody's gonna like it everyone's gonna everyone hates me or I feel like my career is just gonna get taken away from me the way it was handed to me but reality is my career wasn't handed to me I worked for it you know I didn't just get lucky I worked and I grafted but the affirmation that I tell my children now and I tell myself in those moments is elbows out. I tell them, <laughs> create yeah. space for yourself yeah. so you can create space for others. I um, I like that affirmation. There's another affirmation that I've heard you say that I like just as much. I use foods people think of as snacks, as ingredients, such as Bombay mix, yep. pretzels, mm-hmm. chocolate mini rolls, some of the happiest words yes. in the... <laughs> cheese puffs and crisps yeah a chocolate tart with a base made out of crisps is one of my family's favorite recipes have you experimented with any other interesting snacks lately no but like you name them all you name loads of them like i use when i make a mac and cheese i blitz up what's it's and i put them on top of my mac and cheese so you get that really intense yes. cheesy flavor yes. oh god i love mac hang and on though base of crisp a chocolate tart with a base of crisp it's so good ready salted crisps yes ready so salt and vinegar sometimes too if you if you want a tang it's so so good and it shouldn't work but i think that's what i love about cooking it's that element of people saying to me that that's never going to work. And then they eat it and they're like, she did it again. It worked. You know, like that doubt. I love a little bit of doubt. I love to see a little bit of doubt. But I grew up with that. I grew up in a in a household where everyone doubted you. They never believed you could do it. And it's like, then you do it and you're like, see, in your face, I did it. Nadia Hussain, you are an absolute force of nature. 
Thank you for completing with me. Thank you. This episode of Comfort Eating was produced by Ruth Abrahams. The executive producer is Lucy Greenwell. The music was written by Axel Cacoutier. Mixing and sound design was by Solomon King. If you love comfort eating, then please go and leave us a review and a rating. It is so helpful to us. And you can follow or subscribe so you never miss a single episode. See you next week. This is The Guardian. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.